interesting, right? Amen. We gain from what the Lord has done for us. Aren't you glad for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us? Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. And uh, people have said, Pastor, you covered the book of Psalms in one night. And so we'll see if we can get through the book of Proverbs. If you're visiting with us, we are, of uh, course, going down Route 66, and the 66 is reflective of their 66 books in the Bible. And last year, we covered in, in backwards order the New Testament books. And so this year, we are making our way, and we've already come to the book of Proverbs. And so if you notice here on the screen that, of course, the books on the shelves, these are just the New Testament, or the Old Testament books. And we've gone, uh, we're, we're really almost done with the top shelf there. We're in the purple section, and we're uh, already covered Job and, of course, uh, last week's Psalms. And tonight, we're in the book of Proverbs. And I think we have one more chart here on the next slide there is this section that we're dealing with is that middle section there. And, of course, the divisions of the Old Testament and we covered the historical section, and now we're in what is known as the poetry. You know, the Bible really is a masterpiece, and it's, it's a wonderful, it's, it's the best literature book. And the, the, the awesome thing about the Bible is, is that God's Word is true. And so when we read it, it's not a book uh, that, that is man's book, it's God's words. And so tonight, as we get into this study... If you have your Bible and you're in Proverbs chapter 1, I want you to notice a few verses with me how this uh, book begins. Notice in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. This is how the book begins. And of course, as we get into it tonight, hopefully our study will maybe shed some light on the structure of the book, and these are really overviews. They're not meant to be uh, full in-depth. I try to get as in-depth in various places as I can, and many of you have come to realize, if you've been here for one of these studies, that it's really uh, a study to provoke you into not only understanding how God's Word has been put together by God, but that it would really help you, give you a launching pad to get deeper in the Word of God by book or maybe by chapter or by maybe topic or whatever it may be. And so tonight, let's dive into the book of Proverbs. And I've given the title here to this particular book, The Laws of Heaven for Life Upon the Earth. So think about that because God has given His Word and there's not a better book to help you to know how to live your life. We talked a little bit about that this morning about what we need to make it through life. And of course, God has given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. And God wants us to understand how we are to live. Now, just going down through the page, if you're visiting and you have a copy of this, 
By the way, anybody here does not have a copy, needs one tonight, got in here, did not. I think everybody got a copy, and so you can follow along that way. So let's begin with what we call the name given to the book, which is the Proverbs. And the word proverb comes from a Hebrew word that means to rule or to govern. And so again, it goes right back to the laws of heaven for, earth, for life upon the earth. And so this is, comes from a Hebrew word meaning to rule or to govern. Now, Proverbs are sayings that are designed to rule or govern. And notice, govern what? Our conduct. Now, when you get in the New Testament, Jesus' uh, one of his two great sermons was the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays down the laws of conduct for us and we find some of that. Now, it's put together in a different format, and uh, really it is a little bit different approach in the New Testament in the Gospel records. But here in the Proverbs, these are short sentences drawn from long experience. Some of us have lived longer days than others. Uh, somebody this morning was talking to Brother Flynn, didn't realize how old Brother Flynn really is. Brother Flynn has uh, had some long experiences, and, and listen, that's not a bad thing. Uh, many people like Brother Flynn and others in here maybe have lived longer days and have seen so many changes in the world, but listen, the one thing that I know he appreciates, and I do too, is God's Word never changes. But yet, even though it doesn't change, it is always applicable. God's Word just seems to fit every situation. And that's what I love about the book of Proverbs. Because you're reading through and you find in this book so much wisdom. And God helps us with so many things about our conduct, governing our conduct. Now notice the contents. The Proverbs are part of the wisdom literature of the Hebrews. Again, dealing with wisdom. It is not simply a collection of wise sayings. It's really a distinct philosophy of life. So hopefully you understand that. There are many wise sayings, but it really helps us to understand life as God wants us to live the Christian life. It's a distinct philosophy, God's philosophy. The fundamental idea is that the world is morally governed. And, uh, you know, the, the problem with the world today, and I think you'll give me an amen on this, is the world is not moral, it's amoral. No morals. You know, it used to be that it was immoral. Now it's amoral. It, it's anything goes. Everyone is doing that which is right in his own eyes. But understand that God has a moral conduct for us and we need to see this in his word. Notice there are two problems, two great problems considered in the book, all right? Not problems with the book, two problems because we're talking about the governing of our conduct in life. So look at these two. The first one that it deals with is the moral government of the world. How many of you know our government's corrupt? Right? Doesn't take a scientist to figure that one out. And so when you look at the Proverbs, you see the, the corruption of government. And look at the second one is it deals with the duty of man in such a world. In other words, look, we are in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. 
The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. God has saved us and he's left us here that we would be a peculiar people, that we would be distinct, different from the world. And we need to understand that as we live in a world where government and man is going in the direction that they are. Now, the book contrasts the fear of Jehovah. By the way, there ought to be a fear, a reverential awe of God. But it contrasts that with the folly of self-will. Boy, what a contrast. God and man. What a contrast. And not only that, but notice that the fear of Jehovah is the foundation for prosperity. Now, I'm not preaching to a, a prosperity gospel tonight. I'm talking about if you want to have a blessed life, if you want God's hand of blessing upon you, it begins with the fear of God. And the Bible tells us that's the conclusion of the whole matter. But notice, self-will is the cause of suffering and death. People wonder why some of the things that are happening in the world are happening, and here it is. It's because of man's bent on self-will. Man wants to do what man wants to do. And you know, it's been that way ever since the nation of Israel said, we want someone, some man to rule over us. Broke the heart of God. God has always wanted to be God. And yet many times we put someone else on the throne in our lives. Now notice there is a proverb, and I love this, for every situation, for every person, no matter what he or she is or what they were at one time in their lives. So here's some subjects. I've given you the references. I'm not going to read them all. I'll just go through the list. But I know if you've been in this book for any amount of time, and by the way, this isn't an exhaustive list. There are many more. This is just a sample of some of the topics that you'll find when you read through it. Notice the first one is anger. So many people have issues with anger. Notice correction of children. People wonder, well, how should I raise my children? Well, can I tell you, it's not Dr. Spock's way. It's not the world's way. God gives us wisdom from this book on how to raise your children, how to correct your children. Notice the third one is a fear of God. Again, understanding the fear of God. Notice the next one. How about this? Fools. Look at the list of verses on people that are fools. Again, dealing with the self-will of man. Number five is friendship. We can learn about being the right kind of friend. Hey, listen, how, how, how does the book of Proverbs tell us that we can have friends? Showing yourself friendly. I hear people all the time say, I just, nobody likes me. I have no friends. Well, listen, all you have to do is show yourself friendly. Be a friend to people. And you know what will happen? You'll end up with some friends. The book of Proverbs helps us with that. Look at number six there. Laziness and apathy. Interesting how those tie so much together. Look, can I just tell you this? Listen to me. God will not use a lazy person. Need to have some discipline in our lives. So many people today, when it comes to this world, life, even some Christians, have become apathetic towards things. 
And the book of Proverbs gives us plenty of verses on that. Number seven is pride. So many people struggle with pride. Number eight, strife. Number nine, temperance. Another word for temperance is self-control. So many people struggle with that. How about number 10, the tongue? Is that little member that James talked about, has that ever gotten you in trouble? <laughs> you know, think about this. The Bible talks about in the book of James, such a small thing can turn a big ship. You know, it's a, it's a world of fire. I mean, listen, the tongue, it's dangerous. Be careful about flapping that thing and what, what you say, you know, what comes out of your mouth. By the way, the Bible says out of the heart comes the issues of life. So understand that, J, that the book of Proverbs addresses the tongue. And then number 11 there, the wealth is addressed many times. And again, from a, from a book of wisdom, all right? Listen, money's not evil. Does the Bible say money's evil? No. What is evil? The love of it, all right? Nothing wrong with that. You know, God, I guess God knew he couldn't trust me with it. And so, so he just chose to leave me in my place. But I'm, but I'm glad that the book of Proverbs deals with, with wealth. By the way, there are many others. I, I don't want you to think that's all that the book of Proverbs deals with. But notice that I, I love this statement. It is the grace of God that he, God, should place his wisdom at the disposal of man in order to order his happiness and for man's walk in a safe road in the midst of a world that is full of confusion, full of evil, and full of danger. Uh, I don't know about you, but this, this book alone and what it contains is a rich treasure that just like the Pierre family just sang about, listen, we, we do not deserve the grace of God. And this book and what it holds for us is a gift from God. It's the grace of God that he has given us the wisdom that he has in this book. Now, such wisdom does demand something. It demands obedience. As God gives us this, it demands obedience, making understanding clear as we obey him. It, notice the heart clean, the conscience pure, and the will of man being firm. But it all comes from this matter of obeying God and obeying the word of God. Now, I've given you on, on the last page there, I think, in your notes, this chart, and of course we cover one of these in about each one of these, and so I wanted you to see the chart here, and uh, we'll just leave it the way it is, Brother Tyler, but if you look on your page there, really divided into three sections, and so you see the, the prologue, the beginning to wise living, the first nine chapters there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, deals with some principles there, chapter 10 to chapter 31, not the complete chapter of 31, and the end basically gives, gives you uh, the, the, the chapter there, oftentimes dealing with the virtuous woman, and there's much to learn there, and of course we praise God for that chapter there, but there's a lot that you find in this book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and of course Christ in Proverbs, wisdom is incarnate in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so there's, there's a small breakdown. Now, the book doesn't divide up, per se, the way the book of Psalms did, as far as we see different sections, big sections in the book of Psalms. We don't see that necessarily 
in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute as we think about how this book is put together. Now, go back to your notes. The character of this book I mentioned earlier when we showed the books on the shelf and the chart. This is in the poetical section of the Old Testament books, five of, of the books there. The subject of the book of Proverbs is the wisdom gained from experience. And with that wisdom, notice the result of God's dealings, how God deals with us as we use wisdom. And of course, we need to understand the importance of that. The purpose of the book of uh, Proverbs is to teach us the fear of the Lord and to give us wisdom for our daily walk and service. Two verses that you see there, and you know it's Proverbs 1 and, and uh, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 16, verse 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Notice there, by mercy and truth, iniquity, wrongdoing, sin is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So notice the importance there of mercy and truth and the fear of the Lord. And so again, God gives us this wisdom to help us daily. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but over the years, uh, I know that many put this into practice. There are 31 Proverbs, and there are many months where there are 31 days in the month. Many people for years have read a proverb a day. And so what they do is, whatever day it is, if it's the fifth day, today's the 22nd, I think it is. And many people might have read uh, Proverbs 22. Now, when you get to the end of the month, if it's a shorter month and you need to double up, read those extra couple Proverbs. But can you imagine the book of wisdom and you're reading a proverb a day every month for your entire life, how that's going to help you, uh, give you wisdom, give you understanding. Now, the outline of the book is uh, pretty short. Notice four sections. The first part, chapters one through nine, deal with general rules for guidance. God gives us, as he begins the book here, uh, some wisdom, some rules for guidance. Wisdom and folly are contrasted as the book begins in the first nine chapters. Then you get to chapters 10 to 24, and you see this wise and foolish sons. Again, the book drawing contrast and comparisons between those that are wise and those that are foolish. Then in the third section, chapters 25 to 29, we see God-given wisdom for conduct. God gives us what we need, but again, the key there is obedience. And then the last section is the summary of things that are learned by experience, chapters 30 and 31, things learned by experience. Now, the scope of the book of Proverbs was written over a period of about 400. Many believe it may have been closer to 500 years, but nonetheless, not as long as it took for all the Psalms to be compiled, but we do see a lengthy period of time here that the book was written, all the chapters. Now, the writers, notice plural. So when you look in the, the Proverbs, you find Solomon, of course, the son of David, wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. Of course, not all of them are contained, but many of the ones that he wrote are in the book of Proverbs. Then also you have the men of Hezekiah that wrote some of the Proverbs. And then you have Agur, uh, many, many pronounce his name differently, uh, was also. And then King Lemuel, uh, chapter 31, that you see in the book of Proverbs. And so you see different writers. And again, all of this by the inspiration 
of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, who did they write to? Well, if you have these different writers, then naturally the audience may vary. So it says the audience of Proverbs varies. Solomon wrote to his son Rehoboam. Rehoboam was his son, and he wrote uh, encouraging and, and, of course, uh, challenging his son as a father. The men of Hezekiah wrote to all of Israel. Their audience was all of Israel, as well as Agur wrote to Israel. And then King Lemuel, of course, you read those last two chapters, and you find that it was written to the rulers and to mothers. And again, as we read that, we understand that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, again, when we look at that, we are not Israel. We are certainly not Rehoboam. Uh, we are certainly not rulers and mothers. But nonetheless, we can glean from the Proverbs the wisdom that God has given uh, in His Word and has preserved it to our generation. Now, when was it written? Notice Proverbs was written and compiled sometime between the 10th and the 6th centuries. Notice B.C. And where was it written from? The Proverbs were recorded Many believe in Jerusalem that they were recorded there. The key chapter is chapter number 8. As you read that chapter, of course, it deals with the value of wisdom and very important chapter there. Many believe that is the key chapter of the book. Now, there are some verses, the ones that I, I just felt like were the key to the book of Proverbs, chapter 423. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Again, understanding that we need to guard our hearts. Make sure that you're careful about what you're allowing into your life because, again, it's going to determine how you are when it comes to certain things. Notice also chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth. God says, do I hate? So God gives us a listing here of things that he does not care for. And then chapter 9, in chapter, chapter 9, verse number 10, begins with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So again, the importance there, it, it just, you know, you, you drive around, you see in society, people post on their automobiles the saying, no fear. You know, the other day, my wife and I, we were out and we were just driving down the road and... There was a guy and his little son or little boy, and they were in the street. And we're driving down. We're in an automobile that weighs thousands of pounds, probably doing 35 or however much we were doing. And they looked, saw us coming, and just stayed in the street. Don't dare me. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's just the way people are. It's like, what are you going to do? I have no fear. And, that, and it's sad because that translates over into how people view God in their lives. There is no reverence to a holy God. And sometimes people, and, and there are many things when it comes to approaching God, I still believe that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And I still believe He's a holy God. And I still believe that when we approach Him, and that could be here at church, that could be in your prayer closet, that could be in your Bible reading. Listen, the Bible says that we should boldly come before the throne of God. Just think about that. When we approach God, who are you approaching? And yet there's such a casual approach to God because there's no fear of the Lord. Notice the key word is the word wisdom. It's mentioned 104 times in the book of Proverbs. The key phrase is, again, the fear of the Lord. 
Now, when you, when you read the book of Proverbs, notice the key thought here is really what you're going to is the school of God. God is schooling you. He's teaching you many things here that you and I need to get a hold of. And the spiritual thought to the Proverbs, notice here, and I wanted to show this to you how it fits in. The last book we looked at, the book of Psalms, many times, and I showed you the various types of Psalms, you find in the book of Psalms, the saint is often on his knees. But in the book of Proverbs, you find the saint is actually on his feet. In the book of Psalms, notice that God would, would, that we would be holy. Notice somebody says, if you would be holy, read the Psalms. But he that would be wise, let him read the Proverbs. So again, we understand the emphasis here, the importance of this book in our Bible. There's no other book that parallels the book of Proverbs like we see in our Bible. Now, there's some unique things about it. And I pointed this, started to allude to this earlier, but I reserved it to this section of our study tonight. And again, from a literary standpoint, notice that the book of Proverbs is a book that is mostly in the form of what is called couplets. Now, couplets are two clauses together. They, they, they form what is known as a couplet, and they generally relate to each other by what is known as, and the term is called parallelism. Uh, like, for instance, sometimes when you, when you drive up the 95, the turnpike parallels the 95, kind of runs alongside of it. So when you look at the book of Proverbs, and again, I don't, hopefully you've spent enough time into it that you understand what I'm talking about is how you see two clauses in the verses and how they how they're going to relate to one another, this parallelism. And this was a, a style of Hebrew poetry. Now, there are three kinds of parallelism that we find in the book of Proverbs. And I want to give those to you. Notice the first kind is called a synonymous parallel. Now, synonymous, again, uh, here's the best way to understand this. Remember, two clauses. So this is, notice the second clause that is in the proverb restates what is given in the first clause. So you have what is said in the first clause. The second clause restates. It's a synonym. It's saying the same thing as the first one. Here's an example. Proverbs 19.29. Judgments are prepared for scorners. First statement. And stripes for the back of fools. Second statement is restating what was said in the first. Now, the words are not the same, but it restates what was given in the first clause. Notice the second kind is called a contrast parallelism. And this is a truth that is stated in the first clause, but it's different from the synonymous because it is made stronger in the second clause by contrast with an opposite truth. Okay, So what does this look like? Here's an example, Proverbs 13, 9. The light of the righteous rejoices. That's the first statement, first clause. But the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. So again, when you look at that, you see that there was a truth stated in the first clause. The light of the righteous rejoices. But it's made stronger in the second clause. It's by contrast with an opposite truth. So it, you have the righteous in the first clause 
But the second part of it, the second clause, is the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. All right? So you have the synonymous parallelism, you have contrast parallelism, and then you have the synthetic parallelism, which is the third kind. This is where the second clause develops the thought of the first clause. So in other words, what is begun in the first clause is further developed by what is given in the second clause. Here's the example of that. Proverbs 20 and verse 2, the fear of a king is as the roaring of a lion. Now, it's further developed. Notice, whoso provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. So these are three different types of parallelism, the, the couplets that you find when you're reading through the book of Proverbs. Now, it, there, there's also other ways that this book is very unique. Here's another way. Many of our modern-day sayings, okay, and there's, there's some that are older, some that are newer, have their root in the book of Proverbs. In other words, sometimes we say things and we don't even realize where that comes from. There are many of these sayings that come from the book of Proverbs. Some of them are paraphrased. In other words, it may not be, say exactly the way it is said in the book of Proverbs, but you see some of these. Now, maybe some of them you'll notice. I've given you the references. You can look them up yourself. But notice here, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Anybody ever heard that one? All right. How about this one? A bad penny always turns up. Anybody heard that one? Fewer people with that one. How about this one? As you sow, so you reap. Right? And we find that principle all through the Bible, especially in the New Testament. How about this one? Bite your tongue. <laughs> That's, that's in the book of Proverbs, all right? Blowing your own horn. Now, again, it may not be said exactly that way. Boy, he likes to blow his own horn. And I think we understand what that's talking about here. Don't throw good money after bad. Your mom or dad ever tell you that one? You know, many times we make that mistake. That doesn't sound like a very wise thing to do, does it? But many times we do that. Uh, here's another one. Don't wear out your welcome. The holidays are coming. You know, you're going to go visit someone. Or you're going to have somebody come to your house. And you're thinking, when are they leaving? Right? Book of Proverbs. Okay? Haste makes waste. How many of you have heard that one? Quite a few have heard that one. Uh, how about this one? He asked for it. <laughs> We'd say something like this. He got what's coming to him, right? So he asked for it. Look at this, he who laughs last, laughs best. Again, we might have heard a little bit of a variation to that. Jealousy is the green-eyed monster. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, when my wife and I, when we were younger, when we were dating, you can ask her. She was a cheerleader and best-looking cheerleader. She's the best of five siblings. And, uh, and, and what else can I say here? I'm trying to think of some good things. <laughs> Man, I was jealous. She couldn't look at someone. You know, and, and it, it, it created a real problem. Now, I didn't get saved till I was 20. That's not an excuse. But, uh, you know, I, I, God's helped me with that. Now, let me tell you this. I've been married for 36 years. I'm still jealous. But now it's a good jealousy. And hopefully some of you understand that. 
that's my wife, you know. And so just want to make sure everybody knows that's my wife, all right? <laughs> How about this one? Knowing the ropes, you know, knowing the ropes. Find it in the book of Proverbs. Let off steam. Anybody need to let off some steam, you know? And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we call it venting, right? Anybody else vent from time to time? You know, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll do that and we'll say, listen, don't take this personal, and then you just let off steam, all right? And then how about this one? You ever been out on a limb? Book of Proverbs. By the way, there's many more. I just want to give you an idea of, of sometimes we read in the Bible, we have no idea when we say things where they come from. All right, and a lot of those and many others we find modern coming from the book of Proverbs. Now, we also see, and I love this, this year we're magnifying the Lord. And in the book of Proverbs, because it's a book of wisdom, there are so many things that we can see the Lord in this book. And so notice a couple ways in chapter 8, there's quite a few verses there dealing with the wisdom of God. And we see the Lord as the wisdom of God. And then we also see in chapter 15 and verse 3, the omnipresent and omniscient God. Look at this verse. The eyes of the Lord are where? In every place. Are where? Every place. There's nowhere you go that you can get away from the eyes of the Lord. Just think about that. Look at the rest of the verse. Beholding the evil and the good. So look, God is, notice, omnipresent, he's everywhere, and he's all-knowing, okay? And we see the, the Lord magnified in that. Notice he's the God of the strong tower. Aren't you glad for that? We can run to that tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth to it and is safe. And we see that him as the strong tower in the book of Proverbs. I love this one, the divine friend. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, when we have no one else, we always have the Lord, and he is a dear friend to us. He is our best friend. Notice he's the Son of God, Proverbs 30 and verse 4, who hath descended up into heaven, descended, who hath gathered the wind in his fist, who hath bound the waters in a garment, who hath established all the ends of the earth, what is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Wow, just think of the power in that verse. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind? Try that sometime in his fist. Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established the ends of the earth? And then notice he is the God of the virtuous woman. And you know, God makes all the difference, does he not? And that woman would not have been who she was without the Lord. And we thank God for his working in people's lives and the wisdom that this book gives to us. Now notice Proverbs may be considered the James of the Old Testament. We see a lot of uh, what, what James gives. And notice that we, we see here in the book of Proverbs, it's really an extended commentary on Matthew chapter 7. Look at this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and of course, that could entail all of the book of Proverbs, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. See, that's why God gives us this book. That's why God gives us this wisdom, so that we can build our lives on the wisdom of God. 
But notice so many, as we look at the rest of this, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. In other words, he should be likened unto a foolish man. See the contrast? Just like in the book of Proverbs, which build his house upon sand. Doesn't it amaze you how they build here in South Florida? That you're driving by someplace that a month ago it was water, and now they're building houses on it? And the That's right. And the Bible says here, a foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And look, we're not just talking about a house. We're talking about their lives on that sand. So many people building their lives on that which is shifting. Every day moving around. Remember what Jesus said? He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He is the rock of our salvation. We need to make sure our lives are built upon Him, upon the wisdom of God. The Bible says if we build upon the sand, the rain descended, the floods came. By the way, same, same storm came, but the outcome, the result was totally different. The Bible says the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell. People say, I just don't understand how my life got to be such a mess. Have you considered the wisdom of God? The sayings of God. Proverbs, it says, contains some of the most applicable nuggets of truth in the Bible. So what do we need to do? Read it and live it. That's what we need to do. Is read the book of Proverbs and obey what God says. Live it out in your life. And the book of Proverbs is a tremendous asset. And look, here, here's, here's the thing. God has given it to us. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit of God on Sunday mornings the last couple weeks. And I've been telling people as we've been having conversations that God's given us His Spirit. And the power of the Spirit is available to us. But the problem is, is we never avail ourselves to it. And here we have a book of wisdom. And the question tonight is, what are you doing with it? Are you availing yourself to the wisdom of God? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening, and thank you for this tremendous book in the Old Testament. It's not a lengthy book by any sense of the imagination, but there is so much in it. The parallelism that you give helps us to understand how so many things can be contrasted in life. And God, I pray that you'd help us to understand how important it is that we who are your children would be wise and not fools, that we would heed the sayings just as Solomon wanted his son to live a life that was pleasing not only to his father but to the Lord. And God, I do pray that you'd give us wisdom and that we would ask of you and you've promised that you would give to all men liberally and abradeth not. And Lord, we need your wisdom because it's the beginning of knowledge. And Lord, give us understanding in the days ahead. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hopefully you spend some time in this book. And maybe if that's the first time you heard that, maybe start reading the book of Proverbs a chapter a day and see how familiar and how the book just it, it intertwines with your life so much. All right? Brother Kenny's, uh, we're, we're, um, we've had this carpet in this auditorium for what, four years, Brother Kenny? We've never had it cleaned. 
and we're going to have it cleaned tomorrow. And, and the chairs haven't been cleaned since we purchased them. So if you're able, listen, if you're able, we're going to ask if you could help us to stack the chairs. How do you want it done? So this side here, stack them that way? Yeah, so, so listen, if you can't do it, don't worry about it. But I would ask you this, if you can't do it or you, you're not able to help, you might want to move out of the way. 